Good evening, all. <laughs> I didn't hear Rupert tell you that we are not speakers, we're not preachers, we're not teachers, uh, we're octogenarian, ex -con not convicts, ex-members <laughs> of St. Michael's long ago, and delighted to be <laughs> in it. Um, here, this bit of it, I have never been before. So you may have picked the sort of short straw coming tonight. But, however that might be, we have got um, in common a, a, I hope, a kind of message of encouragement to you. Um, especially those who might feel they've never heard our dear God speak to you personally in whatever form that might have been or someone who may have heard but is in doubt as to the source and the origin and the value of what they've heard. Or there may be someone who actually, in a way, might rather not hear in case what was being asked was a bit too far a reach. So that's what I want to try and encourage about or hearten, maybe just one, if there's only one person that one could say, you know, this is, this is real. This is our dear Father speaking to us and giving us a bit of a pull. Uh, this would be a wonderful thing. And I would like to start by agreeing with you all that the only certain way, the only absolutely valid way is, and I want to emphasize certain, the only certain way is the scripture. And I'm trying to make this very clear. But there is another thing happening, which is that God can speak to us and guide us and direct us and do this in a very, very present and present and personal way. And it's that that I want to give some encourage to, not by grand argument, really, not by any clever words, not by um, sleight of hand, but by an experience that we have both shared and which we have both said amen to. And that is what we'd like to do. 
if uh, you don't want to hear about that at all, then um, <laughs> it's raining outside. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to start was with that little sort of clearance that are we all agreeing about the, the utter, um, the utter, um, the, the utterly complete word of the will of God is in the Bible. And all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, says Timothy. Um, but we have to declare that we have had uh, a personal and extremely strong um, receipt of God's wonderful love to us all which we uh, had very, diff very little difficulty in receiving and in resting upon for a good many years. And if I might share that with you, and then after the sparrow, you can have the nightingale who um, will take you further in. Um, the event that I am reporting to you took place many years ago when we were embarking on a holiday in Italy. And we had uh, more or less packed when this book, which is a um, biography of C.T. of the um, dedicated uh, missionary C.T. Studd and uh, his wife Priscilla, although he always left Priscilla at home. This is the, uh, a biography of them. And this arrived in uh, our home about the day before we were going off on holiday. So I didn't open the part, didn't open the envelope. I simply, I could saw this, I could see it was a book, so I then walked, uh, uh, put it in the luggage and went off to Italy with Gay. And uh, I thought it might be a bit of a heavy book, so I would get through it first. So the first day of that holiday was spent, or was to be spent, reading this biography. And I got to the introduction. And there was a poem there, and it was very short, so I thought I'd read it not be a great poet myself, I thought I'd read it. And this is what it was. It is just one verse written by a, a war correspondent 
who's covering the Japanese-Chinese War at the end of the World War II. And this is what he said. Tonight, Shanghai is burning, and I am burning too. But there is no death so real as a death inside of you. Some men die by shrapnel, and some go down in flames. And now here's the line, but most men die playing little games. Most men die playing little games. I was in a deck chair when I rang that, when I read that, and I paused on that quite considerably before giving it over, over to Gay, saying to her, I believe our holiday has been seriously upset and invaded. Not only a holiday, but maybe a lot besides. And Gay took it from me. Didn't take her long to say, I see what you mean. We took it home, of course, and pondered it. And at that time, Mercy Ships, with whom we've had a long uh, attachment, Mercy Ships had their large white vessel, Anastasis, visiting London in the docks. And we were invited to go and see it and go on board. And we'd already sort of decided that step one in responding to avoiding uh, inch by inch uh, decline might be to go on a YWAM, um, discipleship training school course. They take about five or six months. So we accepted to go on the mercy ships who are associated with YWAM at that time. <laughs> and we asked them whether we were too old to go on one of their DTSs, which is for younger people. And uh, seemingly we were not too old. And with that new, and we'd rather ask, we put it rather badly. I think we said, could we go on uh, a discipleship training school, uh, but sort of somewhere else? Because we'd already felt that this ship was not the most comfortable or the least smelling thing. And Gay had taken an instant dislike to it. And as we walked away, she said something to the effect of, at ETS, yes, okay, but on that ship, no, no, no. The next step in this little story is that we went um, to a conference somewhere and were very embarrassed when a young not a couple in that set, a young pair came up. I think they were either 
by to be engaged or by to be married. Yeah, married yeah. And they s said, would we pray for them, with them? And we, of course, said yes. And we uh, were very embarrassed when at the end of the prayer, when they said, have you any word for us? We had to say truthfully, actually, neither of us had anything. And she said, the girl said, well, 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 that doesn't matter. That's splendid. I've got a word, for, we've got a word for you. I said, right, marvelous. Yes, 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 she said. We see you both on a large white ship. <laughs> now, bear with me because it gets more difficult. We see you on a white ship. We said, right. Shortly after, we were at some other conference, and there was, it was a friend saying, who knew sort of what we were possibly up to, who said, um, I'm not surprised, because we've been seeing you like a pair of planes arming up on one of those aircraft thingamies. And I said, carrier? whatever it's called, an aeroplane, aircraft. And on, actually, it went. We had several other affirmations that we were sort of on course. Even, even at the last moment, Mrs. Thatcher passed a very small, insignificant financial act that freed up for me a bit more money than I'd had before and enabled us to sort of face the future in that respect without any burden. And within a short time of that, we were off to South Africa, to meet up with the Anastasis in, of course, Richard's Bay, uh, which is my name. And so that is how we um, came, really, to be led to a long time of um, association with and working with the ship in West Africa and in South Africa and doing other things um, at a time when the area we were sent to and which we've become great friends to, I hope oh, they, they've become our deepest friends. Uh, it was at that time AIDS riven and absolutely poverty stricken um, uh, place in South Africa and that's saying quite a lot um, but they have uh, been wonderfully um, kind to us and we've had a life definitely rendered more abundant than it already was but um, to our sort of delight we've been back and forth and back and forth to them, um, sharing a lot of good uh, 
life together uh, in the Father's name. So I would just, if I can, before passing on to Gay, sort of summarize to you, if I might, what I feel we have, and I'm going to have to read it, what I feel we have learned about those moments which I'm sure some or all of us will have had when one has to come to a moment when you say to yourself, how do I treat this word or what it is that I'm hearing, this pull, in my case it's always somewhere down in my rather rhyme, rather down here somewhere, a pull. It never seems to be a push, it always seems to be a pull when one has a, a word. And how do, you, how do you discern that? How do you measure, how do you evaluate that? How do you decide that's the Almighty, that's the Holy Spirit, or that is just a, a kind of passing wisp of something unimportant? Uh, and this is sort of where I feel I've grounded myself and I hope will kind of endorse my desire that uh, we all become sort of braver and um, more glad to hear these small things, usually I feel, uh, that are in the heart of the Father for us. And I very quickly got these that God is full of grace and loving kindness, which is a hugely important word, I feel, loving kindness. Loves to be active with us by way of his Holy Spirit. Thessalonians, the one who calls you is faithful. Second, it is to me, in, to us, sorry, inconceivable that a Father God who created us and has loved us first could ever, ever turn away and leave us silent. Leave us in silence. In Hebrews, of course, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Third one is God urges us to apply the faith that he has planted in our hearts himself. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God urges us to grow our faith. Hebrews 10, do not, my favorite verse in scripture, Hebrews 10, 35, do not cast away your confidence, your faith, confide your faith it will be richly rewarded yes and five God will provide spiritual gifts as required and we shouldn't worry about what spiritual gifts we may have or may not yet have he will know what he wants from you and he will 
equip. What helps me personally is to keep an eye on the fruit, actually, of the Spirit. And this especially for the welfare of the body of Christ. That's Galatians, and it sounds selfish, and is about the most important thing we can do, is to be alert to helping to protect and, and embrace the body of Christ. Um, when we were on the ship, there was no, on the big ship, it, a lot of discipleship training people on board and evangelists there was no pastoral help for the crew themselves at all and we fought vigorously to have pastoral care for those who were doing a lot of work ashore to help protect them in the body Make the body strong is what Satan really, really does not want to see. And I will at this point just break briefly and show you this page out of, not, my, not a concordance, but out of a listing, is Paul's one favorite word. Which is, I can't, I don't speak Greek. Um, Gwenda. Alelon. Alelon. Each other, one another. All that is one another or each other. There are 35, 35 from St. Paul. Love each other, embrace each other, bear each other's burdens, each other, each other. And another 20 or so from the other um, letter writers. That's how much St. Paul required the body of Christ to be cared for. And lastly, uh, we all pray for God's presence time and time again, I'm sure. We all, we all ask for his presence and his presence. And I do believe that these quiet words to us are not usually just wisps in the air. They are God responding and desiring to exhibit his intense loving kindness to us and to show that he is very close to us at all places, at all times. And how blessed we are. Now I will hand over to her. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I think it's just amazing how different we all are. It's so 
um, wonderful in one way because the body of Christ is one, but it's made up of so many different um, parts and functions and aspirations, really. Would you imagine that God would tell a guy in Kansas City to send us a book that would arrive just at the right time, that we'd take it on holiday, and it would change our lives? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know how you, how you kind of equate that. But I guess I shouldn't really be that surprised, because it says in um, the 12th chapter of Corinthians, but in fact... God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them. And I don't always get that, but I do know that God has a perfect plan for each and every one of our lives. He changes us from the inside out. It's not where we go on mercy ships or whatever, and it's not what we do. That is just geography and occupation. I don't know if any of you remember Keith Green, but he used to say, going to McDonald's does not make you a hamburger. And that's about it, isn't it? It's God's presence in us and with us that is the vital change. And the first major change in my life was experiencing God's presence. I was um, baptised as a baby uh, by an Anglican bishop in Cairo, in Egypt, and his name was Llewellyn Gwynn, and there are no prizes for guessing where he came from. Actually, as a young man, he went out with um, C.T. Studd uh, on a mission in Africa. He was a very remarkable guy, and um, he retired at about the same time as my family came back from Cairo to live in England. And my mother, uh, he came to stay with us in Norfolk. And my mother said to me, would you take up, I was only five, would you take up the tea to him? And I went into his room and he said, jump up on the bed, I'm praying which actually nowadays wouldn't be considered too PC, but never mind. I don't know if I was there four minutes or four hours. All I really knew and still know is that I was in God's presence. And it took a long time. I never, I never really wanted anything else. I, I, I went around the place going, so where's God gone? I wanted the presence of God even when I was that little. Anyway, it took a very long time for me to, to um, know how to be in his presence. Um, 2 Peter says, bear in mind our Lord's patient means salvation. What patience he had with me and what a salvation. Our precious Lord Jesus paid the ultimate price for the biggest change in any of our lives, the eternal change. And I was 37, so 32 years or something it took. He gave me a new life. He set me free from the 
power of sin and death. I was indwelt by his Holy Spirit and by his grace and only by his grace I was a new creation and I still am a new creation. Richards told us what happened after he gave up his job and over the years since then we've been in um, Benin and Sierra Leone in West Africa and in the Near East in Syria and Turkey and Lebanon and Israel and in India. But what we kept doing was going back to South Africa. What was really painfully obvious to us was that we shouldn't go to any place without God's definite say-so. And a bit like Moses, you know, when he said in um, uh, Exodus, if your presence, God, doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. And not that, of course, that we're like Moses, taking the children of Israel to the promised land, but that was the cry of our hearts. We don't want to go in if it's you sending us God. A few years ago, one of the times we asked God to confirm if we should go back to South Africa, um, we just said, Lord, would you confirm it? And two days later, I was going to our local bus stop. And on the way, I could see and hear a couple of black ladies who were singing a song that I have only ever sung in South Africa. It's be bright in the corner where you are. Well, I came up beside these ladies and I joined in. Now, you have to do the actions for this song, and I can't sing very well, but it, it starts off, be bright in the corner where you are, and you have to go down, 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 but my knees aren't that good for coming up again. But that was the song they were singing. We had a kind of mini praise meeting at that bus stop until their bus came. And they hugged me goodbye and got on the bus saying, see you in South Africa. And I got on my bus and God was saying to me, so there's my confirmation for you. We're just back from five weeks in South Africa and the Lord did extraordinary things. And we are incredibly grateful that we were included in them. The Lord changes us all. He transforms all of us. And I would like to end with my, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible, which is 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we, who with unveiled faces, behold the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Amen to that. I just wonder, you might want to say no to this, 
Would you like to tell us just one or two highlights of what you said God did amazing things on your latest trip? Could I coax a couple of them out of you? That's fine. <laughs> there were all sorts of things going on in the township in which we spend quite a lot of time, which is called Araville, which is uh, north of Port Elizabeth, up in the Karoo. And we've been there for many, many times, and the woman who kind of runs the place is called Lindaway, and she is an amazing woman. And all the things that she has been working for have fallen away because the government has stopped funding it. But she has restarted, by grace, uh, the grace of God, another project. And the house in which they meet is falling apart. I mean, they didn't have a door on the loo, which is pretty serious, really. And they didn't have anything on the floor except terrible lino. So we kind of project managed. And there was a... It was terrible weather at the weekends. I mean, you couldn't possibly do anything. And, of course, in, in the townships, everything is done outside. I mean, you don't have any workshops or anything. So every weekend it poured with rain. And on Monday morning, the sun came out. Every week. So that they could work. And they finished it. Huge porch, loo doors, floor holes in the floor done and just that kind of it was just incredible because nobody was expecting it to be sunny on Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday Friday and then it poured with rain on Saturday and Sunday so we kind of went I think God is definitely in this and we had an amazing time in, in a huge township um, outside Port Elizabeth called Bethelstorp with a woman called Fragrance Africa, which is a pretty nice name, really. And we knew her very little, but we had been told that there were, um, in this place, it had been a huge place. It's called the House of Resurrection. And we were told, well, there might be three, four, or maybe six really bullshit teenagers if you really want to go. And we thought, well, we'll take resin jewellery to make, because most teenagers like jewellery. And when we arrived, there were 30 children. And it was absolutely fantastic. They were wonderful kids, and we did lots of stuff with them. And I was able to say to Fragrance that when we first went to that place, 25 years ago, off the mercy ships, God had given a word, and it was... This place will be a light in a very dark area. And someone had painted a huge candle on the, on the outside wall. And she'd never heard that. And I said to her, you know, it's still God's light in a very dark place. And she was just amazed that God had ever spoken anything about it. So that's just a couple. <laughs> Thank you both very much indeed.